You are listening to WCAT Radio, your station for quality Catholic programming. Your selected program will begin right after a word from our sponsor, GroupM7.com, a web design and hosting company. Log on to GroupM7.com today and let them know that WCAT Radio sent you. You know, my finest childhood memories was the Saturday morning movies for about four bits each. My brother and I could split a Coke and a big box of popcorn and watch movies about Tarzan, Jane, and their Amazon River adventures. Well, maybe that's where Jeff Bezos took his name. His Amazon.com is now the largest online retailer in the world. I'm Michael Malfood with Group M7, the oldest and largest website design firm in East Texas, and here's my point. And as usual, it's a good one. If your website is modern and up-to-date, mobile and search engine friendly, it matters not whether you sell a product or provide information about your goods and services, your sales justifiably will increase just like theirs. The world uses the internet. We can improve your website and your email. Look at our giant portfolio at groupm7.com. Since 1995, there's only one web and there's only one group and it's us. It's Group M7. You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Welcome back, everybody, to Polly Pat's Paradigm. We're going to read a little scripture today. And I'm joined once again by my wonderful friend, Eric. Always good to see you. Yes. And we are, we're, we're here, Eric. We finally did it. You know, when we started the series, Pat, I was like, I don't know if we'll get through it, <laughs> but we're we're here. We're in the last chapter, and this has been such a delight. Like going into this year, I had no idea that we would really be doing this, but I'm I'm very thankful. Uh, it's it's been really cool to dig the digging the scriptures with you, man. Yeah, no, likewise, brother. And uh, seriously, thank you because you you bring so much to these conversations. I mean, you are much more of the Bible scholar theologian. Uh, than I am. So I, I just personally get a lot from hearing your perspective and all the things that you have to, to say about this. Plus you keep, you keep me on schedule. If I don't, <laughs> uh, it would have taken me five years to get through this whole series if we weren't doing it together at our weekly schedule yeah. uh, date. So yeah, many thanks there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So let's, uh, let's dive in my friend. Why don't we start with a prayer and then we will, uh, <clears throat> we'll do our usual thing. Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gentle listeners, we are... Once again, to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 21. Here we go. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any fish? They answered him, No. 
He said to them, cast a net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in for the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is it the Lord? When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his clothes for he was stripped for work and sprang into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging that full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the dead ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you fastened your own belt and walked where you would. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will fasten your belt for you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he said to show by what death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw following them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had lain close to his breast at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? Follow me. The saying spread abroad among the brethren that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things which Jesus did where every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Wow. Where to begin? Where to begin? You know, I kind of want to begin at the end. I just wanted to point out what we pointed out last episode. Just, yeah, there's so much more that Jesus did that isn't even written here. And if it had been written, he's saying that not even the books would contain them. Mm. Um. I think that also points to Christ's divinity, right? That like perhaps there are things that as the word, God, the word, it's like when you reflect on him being the logos before his incarnation, even wow. Like, mm-hmm. yes, infinite amount of things that he's done. Actually. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, he's done a lot of things. And then of course, in his own lifetime, like so much he, he has done. And what's fascinating about this too, is he, seemed to live a pretty uh, 
low key or like under the radar life for the first 30 years. Mm. And so what Mm. John is probably referring to, if not referring to the logos, if he's only referring to Jesus's own ministry, that's a three year period of time at most. And like, good gosh, like, yeah, what are all the things that he did? You know, uh, we have some highlights here in the, in the gospels, but it's kind of exciting to even think about like, my goodness. Yeah. What did he do? What did he say? And, um, it makes us kind of hunger for, for more of him and to know more, more about him. And, uh, once again, this also points to the necessity of those relationships to know the apostles who knew Jesus and the apostles handing that authority down through the ages, through apostolic succession, so that more and more of the tradition of the oral tradition could be passed down as well as the written tradition here in the scriptures. So, um, yeah, excellent. Um, and good time with the last episode, Eric, you know, I have to ask you again, um, your Protestant, former Protestant perspective on things. And I'm sure you, you know what I'm thinking, right? Um, Jesus, uh, questioning Simon Peter. And there's, I mean, there's so much, there's so much beautiful about this scene, right? Is, is one, is it, um, you know, it corresponds to, to Peter's previous threefold denial. So now we get like this threefold affirmation of love. Yes. And so we kind of see this, I don't know, this, this undoing a reversal of his threefold denial before and this, this incredible forgiveness of, of Christ and this, you know, incredible mercy and love of Christ, of course. And this, you know, very sincere uh, repentance and, and kind of like funny frustration, it seems, of Peter, too. It's like, yes, Lord, come on. You know everything. You know that I love you, <laughs> right? Come on. Um, but Catholics see this also as, um, again, showing a very important role that is be- being given to Peter. So, Eric, I would love for you to, again, to explore how you would have read this previously as a Protestant. And now, of course, how you see it as, as a Catholic this entire scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I would have seen this as simply, uh, you know, that restoration from Peter's denial and Jesus wanting to forgive him specifically for denying him specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the feed my sheep. I don't honestly don't know how I had interpreted that. I will say that I recently talked to someone uh, about these things and she said to me, well, I do believe Peter was the leader of the early church, but that doesn't mean that he had like a a successor or anything like that, or that that authority got passed down. He was just the leader of the, the early church. Like I, mm-hmm. I recognize that. Right. So, so um, the grant of a primacy, but not succession. Yeah. So it's like, he was the leader of the early church, but after that, it's kind of all these different communities developed and like, you know, that sort of thing, kind of like a Baptist model of, you know, congregational leadership, you could say. Um, and so that was kind of her perspective on that. And, and that just doesn't quite sit well. I mean, I even like told her about, well, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom and the keys of the kingdom was given to Peter alone. And those keys actually do signify succession. And then pointing out, like I pointed out last episode in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, where it's not just, um, a, a title for title's sake for this to be an apostle, it was an office. And so they were looking to succeed Judas and fulfill his shoes, fulfill his role, fulfill the office. And so why would we think that, that it just dissipated after Peter? And then also of course, like knowing the early church fathers, like 
over and over are talking about the emphasis of the bishops and being in union with the bishop. And then we have uh, Irenaeus talking about specifically the Roman bishop is someone we have to be in uh, communion with. And that's, he, Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. Mm-hmm. So if he's saying that, then my goodness, like we better pay attention. Like maybe our Baptist lens on these scriptures isn't right. Right. Um, and then also we have St. Cyprian soon thereafter talking about like, you need to be in union with Peter mm-hmm. or else you're not even in the church. Mm-hmm. And like, and so they're looking at these scriptures and seeing Peter's important for mm-hmm. not just like an individual, but like his office is important. Yeah. He is the one that Jesus tells in Luke to confirm the brethren after he betrays him. And we see him here. Like he gives that same commission, like feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He doesn't tell the other disciples this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it was only Peter that denied him three times by a charcoal fire. So by a charcoal fire, he is restoring him three times. <clears throat> um, but also he's the only one that Jesus said going into this whole thing. Like, you know, I've, I've, I'm praying for, for you all, but for you, Peter, I'm praying specifically. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I pray that you, Peter, would strengthen your brethren. He get, he's giving that commission to Peter alone, even before the denial. Mm-hmm. And so therefore we do see Peter is given a special emphasis here. And I, I do want to point out even before this, this is something that once again, Joe Heschmeyer pointed out to us is it looks here like Peter, you know, the ship, this is before the scene of Jesus restoring Peter um, the ship is bringing in this large quantity of fish, and yet uh, he's Jesus tells Peter, like, give me, give me the fish, like, bring me some fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of um, large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So it looks like, it looks like Peter alone is just like grabbing the huge net of fish which is like impossible right but it's this it's signifying that the role of peter is to gather the the nations to christ Mm -hmm. right and that's Mm -hmm. the 153 it's it's gathering the nations to jesus and peter has that special commission once again to do that and to not let the net be torn to to foster unity among christians Right. Yeah. Joe, Joe's, I remember Joe being really good on these, on these fishing scenes and the tie in there again, something that, <clears throat> that, I mean, that's always my thing when I'm reading scripture. Like I always know that there's probably so much more that I'm, that yeah. I'm miss, missing that I'm actually getting. Right. <laughs> which is, which is what makes it so rich. And so, and we all know that like every time we return to scripture, um, new layers of significance are revealed to us. Um, and that's, that, that, that seems right, right? Of course, of course, God would do it that right way because we develop in time, and and we need to, and we need different messages and different lessons at different times in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it does. It's so interesting these resurrection accounts because it's like they, it's like Jesus can be hidden from them, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like manifest himself to them. Yeah, and uh, you know, I can imagine. In this, this gospel uh, passage starts with them, like Peter saying, like, I'm going to go fishing again. Like, I, I kind of imagine that as him almost giving up uh, because it's like, let's just return to what I was doing before this whole Jesus thing even started. Like, I was a fisherman. Let's just go fish. And the same miracle that happened when he first was called to be a disciple, 
this miracle of like casting your net on the other side and getting this huge thing of fish is the same thing that happens here, which makes John recognize him saying, it is the Lord. Right. And, and then Peter puts on his clothes and jumps in the water. I love that spring to the sea. And like there, there you have Peter's zeal again, right? He's just like, Oh, that's Jesus. Like get me at him, you know, like put me in coach. <laughs> and, um, and now Jesus will use that zeal for his glory. And even at the end of the restoration, he says, yeah, you did want to die for me, but, and I'm, and I'm going to let you do that. Like you're going to go where you don't want to go. Right. And mm-hmm. you're going to be taken and you're going to be stretched. Uh, you will stretch out your hands and another will fasten your belt for you. And this is a prophetic utterance to his own. Um, Peter will be crucified upside right, down right. according to tradition. This points to that tradition. Right. And, um, and so I think it's, it's just really, really cool how this whole scene with Peter and Jesus is so significant, so rich, and, uh, and with the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? And, and him just saying, you know what? It, Jesus even says, like, if I let him live forever, like, what is that to you? Not to say that he would live forever, um, but that, you know, he points that out there. And I, I think that's a really cool thing that we see like these traditions kind of like, these are the, the roots of them Yes, uh, coming out where John later would die in exile on Patmos. So he was the longest living disciple, you know, and all those things. So um, yeah. What other comments do you have about these scriptures here, Pat? Yeah. Let's see here. I mean, always a lot that's jumping out, um, but <clears throat> let's see if we can find something that you didn't already cover. Um You might have just done it all, Eric. <laughs> um, I mean, the I was going to bring up Peter's crucifixion thing, and you 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 covered that. Um, do you know um, sort of a historical question? How many of the apostles were actually martyred? According to tradition, eleven out of the twelve. Well, 11. you don't count Judas. You you count Matthias right. into the mm-hmm. into the count. So all of them but John. And John was John. going to be martyred. Um, basically what happened with him, according to tradition, is that they were trying to burn him and poured hot oil over him to kill him, and he just didn't die. So then mm. they were like, all right, we're going to exile you to Patmos, right. which is where he got the vision of uh, Revelation all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah, all of them except for the beloved disciple were, were martyred. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? And I think it is that John lived well into his nineties, right? Is um, yeah. I mean that, that would that would yeah, given the where people typically date um, Gospel of John and and Revelation and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is a pretty impressive lifespan, you know, all things considered. <laughs> yeah, you know, being dumped uh, hot oil on your on your whole body uh and you still survive that and live live longer it's pretty right i mean i mean the other thing that just just you know stands out in in all that of course is just the absolute providential control that that christ is putting on display here right um talking about um you know his will of how people will depart this veil right like this is this is something that is completely under god's control Yet, in a sense, you know, it is, um, it's something like that, that sort of honors um, what Peter wanted anyways, right? Exactly. 
And I think that that's, that is incredible. It's not an, it's not an arbitrary departure. It's like, yeah, Peter, you're not going to probably like this at the time. Nobody would. Right. Uh, but this will glorify God and it will glorify you and it will give you the thing that you really wanted anyways. Um, now that's, that's, that's an incredible thing to try and wrap your, your mind around. Right. Um, is that, uh, you know, God will allow suffering to the extent that it could help somebody attain not just, of course, God himself, but, but also a deeper desire of their heart. And uh, there yeah. was a deep desire of, of Peter's heart to express his, his radical love, of course, for Christ. And God grants that. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I think that's so important there that even after describing how Peter will die, it, there's an invitation, right? Follow me. Yeah. And that's the original invitation that he gave to Peter when he first became a disciple. And it's like, Peter, you've been with me this whole time. You denied me three times, but now through your confession of love, I've restored you three times. I'm, I'm actually elevating you, not just to be back in the fold, but to actually tend the sheep, to, to lead mm-hmm. my sheep, to feed my sheep. And, uh, but you're going to die this horrific death. Follow me. Like, okay, here we go. I think that's the invitation for all of us really is, is okay. We know that trials and tribulations are going to come our way. We know that we will, if we seek to live a godly life, we will be persecuted. Follow Christ, mm-hmm. follow him. Yeah. And, uh, and we have these great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. We have the apostles and their successors that are leading the way that have handed on this rich faith to us. And now it's, it's the same invitation that is to follow Christ. And that's what we are called to do. Yeah. Amen, brother. I know we're going to just to let the listeners know, we're going to do a wrap up episode where we're just going to review and share our thoughts on this in, entire series. Uh, and that will be the, the next one that we do. But um, any final thoughts before then, Eric? No, no, I'm excited about that wrap up. And I think it's just been amazing. I'm so thankful we were able to, do all 21 chapters of John is phenomenal and uh, really excited to have done that with you, Pat. Yeah. Likewise, let us, uh, let us close in prayer then in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. God bless, and we'll see you on the next episode. The mission of Holy Apostles College and Seminary is to form faithful witnesses of Christ. Year after year, the prestigious Newman Guide has recommended Holy Apostles for our academic excellence and steadfast fidelity to the magisterial teachings of the Catholic Church. We are also fully accredited and the leader in Catholic online learning. Our students enjoy the unsurpassed flexibility 
to study on their own time and anywhere in the world through asynchronous engagement. Holy Apostles is dedicated to the relentless pursuit of truth, which allows students in all academic programs, including undergraduate, graduate, and personal interest, to formulate a coherent worldview based on both faith and reason. The study of the liberal arts also develops and refines key competencies associated with career readiness, such as critical thinking and problem solving, clear communication, collaboration, and a strong work ethic. The tuition rate at Holy Apostles is one of the most affordable in the country. Yearly tuition for a full-time undergraduate is under $12,000. Students at Holy Apostles can graduate with minimal or even no college debt, which enables them to live out their calling as faithful witnesses of Christ without heavy financial burdens holding them back. Please visit www.holyapostles.edu forward slash admissions for more information. The fall 2021 admissions deadline is Friday, July 23rd. Classes start Monday, August 30th. See you soon. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.